0: Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm demystifying detachment as a tool when we have an insecure attachment style. So in this episode, I'm going to share a little bit about my own attachment style and this idea of detachment as a tool. I think that can get really confusing when we're trying to heal from an attachment wound and then learn that detachment is a good tool for letting go and for finding peace. I think a lot about a lady that I'll call Lori she was in one of my early residential treatment program groups for dual diagnosis, trauma, and addiction. She was teeny tiny. I'm a little person. And she felt like she was half my size and she was fierce. And one day in group, she huffed and puffed and threw her book and notebook down on the ground in total disgust and frustration. And she fussed at me. She said, Nikki, damn it, you're telling me to go left and right at the same time. You're speaking in opposites. How am I supposed to figure out what the hell to do? And she wasn't wrong. Healing can feel and can seem like we're trying to go left and right at the same time. And we can't go left and right at the same time. It can sound that way when I'm talking about some of these concepts about what it takes to heal. Maybe sometimes to you, it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, It's not that I'm ever meaning to go in two opposing directions at once, but it's about learning to notice our extremes and work to get to the middle, to a medium ground, to get more central, centered, and grounded so that we can respond to things instead of react to things, to be walking a healing path, to be walking a self-development path, Where we grow ourselves, we are balancing all the forces of this life all at the same time. And hopefully, we're adding to our wisdom bank. And that each experience, the hard experiences, the easy experiences, and everything in between, are showing us things about ourselves and life and are growing us so that we can feel more ease, more peace more moving through life as if the struggle points are speed bumps, not mountains. Detachment and letting go are very important tools to have in our emotional tool belts as highly sensitive people. Without detachment and letting go, it's going to be really hard for us to practice more ease and more peace in this one precious life. To our minds that are steeped in Western culture... Detachment like the Buddhists and the Taoists and other religions, this is accepted as more of a universal spiritual principle, not so much a religious practice. But to our Western steeped minds, detachment seems weird. It seems wrong. Our mental framework makes an easy assumption that detachment is negative or cold, uncaring, dismissive. And it assumes that attachment is positive and warm and caring and considerate. Many of you who resonate with my work are struggling with attachment wounds from a parent that was either emotionally abandoning or physically abandoning or from caretakers who betrayed. And in a very real way, those detachment wounds do feel cold, uncaring, and dismissive. Biologically, mentally, and emotionally, as human beings, our baby selves need to be attached to adult beings to survive. We are born completely codependent. And if someone, some adult, doesn't take charge of our well-being, we basically die. That's the biological reality. So no wonder our nervous systems feel fried if we have wounds from neglect because we are biologically driven to need others when we are small. Today I can describe myself as psychologically securely attached and this attachment point is from myself and to myself. Now that's not a justification that I am an island and I need no other people, but it's because I've put work, effort, and intention Into feeling more security within myself than anxiety within myself. I've chosen to heal from a learned, insecure attachment style that had me almost constantly feeling anxious, less than, unworthy, and broken. Security feels whole, while insecurity feels fragmented, messy, even juvenile as my family fragmented when my parents divorced, so did my secure attachment style. And that fragmentation created the insecurity. If this is your attachment style and you resonate with what I'm sharing, then I want you to know that you very well can heal and become much more securely attached to yourself which feels amazing. We all deserve to feel securely attached. So if you are anxiously attached or avoidantly attached, though I'm not talking about that today, I want you to know that you can get to that more centered, grounded, secure attachment style. In my own story, I can frame it as the separation and divorce of my parental units from each other seem to encourage both of them to detach from me and my siblings. Now, in my opinion, they both have personality disorder issues. So I think that had to be there for them to give themselves permission to detach from me and my siblings. Over the next few years, my father would continue to detach more and more and more until he detached from me entirely, except for a yearly birthday card That stopped when I was about 11. My functional parents, the ones I was bonded to as secure parental units, were more my grandparents. And my Grammy and my grandpa died when I was 15 and then 17. And I certainly felt detached, detached from myself, untethered to myself. As dissociative symptoms developed for me, as an adolescent. So, my body, from the emotional fragmentation of my family falling apart, felt untethered to me. And I felt untethered to the world and to other people because I hadn't had enough secure attachment around me. I basically got to a point where I didn't know how to feel safe in my mind, and I didn't know how to feel safe and attached to the reality that my own body was experiencing. It's as if I would just detach and go away from myself and then later come back. This is also one of the criteria for post-traumatic stress. My attempts to make sense of what was happening to me as I felt more and more unreal and detached from myself and from my tribe, I was unable to recognize or begin to believe in even a spiritual connection. So this disconnection, this untethered feeling, started to cycle on itself. It became a source of accidental pain, because all I knew how to do was create a story from my splintering, from my fragmentation, from my wounded psychology. And I had no idea how to create a story out of, Wholeness, because I didn't know how to feel whole. I didn't have enough soothing, protection, security, and coping to have been able to have felt whole growing up. I did what most Westerners in pain do. Without even knowing what I was doing, I assigned meaning about my worth and lovability to myself based on the actions of my parents and my grandparents, even though they didn't want to die as an action, they certainly didn't choose that action, but life chose that action. And I used that to prove that my worth and lovability was low, was broken. I created a story that fit my wounds instead of my deeper spiritual truth. If I say that again and a little differently, using attachment language, I attached meaning about my worth and lovability to the story of my parents and their neglect. In essence, in an attempt to make sense and make myself feel more secure, I attached to a pain story. I couldn't see it back then. But I can now that I'm through it. And this is why I'm sharing it. Because our pain clouds our best thinking and doesn't necessarily bring us to the thinking that helps us heal. When we have felt in a hole, our thinking knows how to dig the hole deeper. It doesn't know how to climb out. This type of attachment childhood trauma or detached childhood trauma or neglect childhood trauma, whatever you want to call it. In so many ways, it thwarts our ability to take care of ourselves. Now I can see that attaching to the pain and the pain story, believing that that story was true, that that was the script for my life, Now I can see that staying with the pain was counterproductive to moving through the pain, to letting go of the pain, to detaching from the pain. Why the hell would any of us consciously want to stay attached to the pain? Sometimes the answer is just because we're so used to the pain. We don't know that another option, a lighter option, an option through detachment and release and letting go is even available or possible. My introduction to this Buddhist practice came through a lot of my yoga work. And the theory of detachment, when I first learned about it, it thoroughly pissed me off. It enraged me because I heard it through my Western mind and through my personal trauma, my grief and loss. I heard it as justification and glorification of simply not giving a shit, of being uncaring, even neglectful. I thought it justified my parents' detachment of me in a way that I resented. These Buddhists and their philosophy, through the lens of my pain, it was easy to judge. Easy for me to imagine these monk-like men in robes on the side of a beautiful mountain, spiritual seekers showing up at their ashrams to bestow food and donations Yeah, of course, they could detach. They didn't even really have to work. I remember thinking. In this story I created from my pain, I attached. There's attachment again. I attached. I judged people in a self-serving egoed vision. I decided that it was easy for them and impossible for me positioning myself as the wounded victim of this detachment idea. How dare this detachment come at me with its high and mighty spiritual ideas that don't work in the real world. It's quite the idea to consider that we are either attaching to a story or a dynamic or detaching from a story almost constantly. I'm going to attempt to simplify the law of detachment with the following tips for you to just play around with now and in the future. This might be a good episode, especially if this is a brand new idea for you to come back to in the future when you're in a different part of the journey to see how these ideas are marinating and growing into your life. And I mean marinate. Think about what happens if we put some tofu or some chicken in a marinade. Yeah, we'll taste a little bit of it if we leave it in that marinade for 30 minutes, but it's going to taste different. It's going to taste deeper, richer. It's going to penetrate more if we leave it in that marinate overnight. So the first tip or idea I have for you to sit with, to consider, to feel out, is that in detachment, we just allow people the freedom to be themselves. This means you. This means myself. This means people I agree with, people I don't agree with. Attachment, when it comes to the people in our lives, comes with expectations. It comes with us pre-thinking out some kind of script that this person is going to play out in front of me. And then we don't quite know what to do when this person doesn't follow our script and just lives their own. There's freedom in the detachment principle of allowing people the freedom to be themselves. That goes for ourselves and others. Those of you who have listened to the show from the beginning, I know those some of you are out there who have listened to every single show. A big part of being a healthy, highly sensitive person is learning to accept who you really are, not who you think you should be, not who your family wants you to be, not a version of yourself that's easier for other people, but actually who you really are so that you can discern what you actually really need. And need might be different than want. We can allow people in the world the freedom to be themselves, everybody else, and most certainly ourselves. Two, let's allow life. We don't force situations, less struggle. This is one of those ideas that really pissed off my younger self. Yeah, great, it's me. I'm the one inviting the struggle, right? It's my fault. Oh, sarcastic, bitter. I can remember myself thinking through this like fire was spitting out of my mouth. Took me a long time to get to the place where I could look at myself and look at my life and go, no, I actually do make certain situations more difficult on myself than I really need to. I try to force a certain way. I try to have a controlled vision and then make that happen, often in detriment to my mental Physical, spiritual, and emotional health. I wear my own damn self out. And if I wanted less struggle, I had to get to a place of allowing life and working with it instead of struggling against it. It's a different mindset to get into. And it's not a light switch. You can't hear me say this today and just flip the light switch and be there. Unless you can, maybe you can. Maybe you're better than me in this way. And if you are, cool, awesome, congratulations. But for most of us, it's going to be a working into this mindset, tasting it over and over and over again till we cultivate a taste for this new way of being and let go of the craving for the old way of being. Three, we allow solutions to unfold and emerge. This piggybacks on number two. We seem to think that we have to find the solutions and make the solutions happen so active for a tribe of people that will report being exhausted and overwhelmed. There's just the relationship I've cultivated with the universe. I really like my relationship with the universe now because instead of feeling like the world is sitting on my shoulders and I have to make all the tough things happen and try to make more tough, bad things not happen, the more I took that on, the more I felt the weight of the world crushing me. It was too much for me to carry. Now, my relationship with the universe is very different. We have sort of a partnership, an easy breezy partnership. And when there's not an obvious solution in front of my face, I can turn that over to the universe and say, Hey, universe, I don't see anything clear right now. It's all pretty murky. I don't know what's going to unfold. And I don't know what's going to emerge, but I know something's got to unfold and emerge. So I'm open to some solutions. And then I go about my life. I let go of thinking about it. And lo and behold, like I cast some kind of magic spell that held power, all of a sudden, a solution unfolds and emerges. The weight of the world is not on our shoulders. So I've gone through three so far, and I've used the word allow each time. When we are attaching to things, we're gripping them, we're forcing, we're not so much allowing. Allowing is its own tool, it's its own state of mind. Number four, we learn to allow uncertainty as reality. Here's a quote from Deepak Chopra, who's had many, many, many bestsellers and is definitely a mindfulness guru. The quote from him today says, The more uncertain things seem to be, the more secure I will feel. Because uncertainty is my path to freedom. Through the wisdom of uncertainty, I will find my security. There's a lot in that quote. When we didn't get enough security growing up, it makes sense that we try to compensate for that psychologically. By knowing all the things. It's as if our inner child seems to have bought into a belief that says, because so much was uncertain when I was little, the solution is that I will be certain about all things now, which makes the unknown terrifying, which makes our bodies feel resistance to the awareness of unknown. And our ego step in and go, damn it, I should be able to know, which means we find problem With the unknown, we can learn to allow uncertainty as reality. There will always be uncertainty. Always, 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 always. To practice allowing uncertainty. When you practice that, you're giving your future self the gift of more peace, even if that's very hard to practice right now in this moment. You can let your inner child know, I know lots of scary things happened when we were little, and it was scary not to know. We don't have to attach fear to the unknown so much anymore. Sometimes we won't know because there'll be something really wonderful unfolding. It's okay for us to feel more neutral when we face uncertainty. And grown-up me is here to handle whatever comes, and you will never be alone in it again. I am here. Number 5. We allow excitement, wonder, mystery, fun, adventure, and willingness. We learn to accept and allow that there is a field of infinite possibility. Anxiety and fear has a real sticky dark way of only allowing us to see worst-case scenario, worst possibility most tragic, scariest, it's so limiting. What a narrow view of possibility. No wonder we're anxious. No wonder we're scared. No wonder that scared, anxious way of being snowballs and eats itself alive. What happens if you allow yourself to practice that there is a field of infinite possibility? If there is a possible worst case scenario... It stands to reason that there is a possible best-case scenario. And if you're willing to open up to the fear of the worst, what kind of logic is it to not allow yourself to open up to the wonderfulness of the best-case scenario being a possibility for you? Don't let that critical voice show up and scare off that possibility of infinite positivity of goodness, your wise woman or your wise man can step in and say, Mm-mm, that's way too much fear and anxiety. We have lived skewed in this way all of these years, no more. I accept there is a field of infinite possibility. When we are attaching, we are gripping. Our self-talk often sounds demanding. This must happen this way. I expected it to go the certain way. It should be this way. I should be able to have it happen my way. I planned this out, damn it. We basically narrow our experience to having it have to be this one particular way or we will be upset and distressed. What a crappy spell to cast. This is an unfortunate way to move through the world no matter how normalized it is in Western culture just like obesity. Normal does not mean healthy. As seekers, we are looking to shed what is dysfunctional and to allow what is more functional for our lives as individuals and for the collective unconscious. There is freedom in allowing infinite possibilities, in widening the potential possibilities path versus narrowing it very few of you listening to this show would like someone describing you as a narrow-minded thinker, but can you see how your fear and anxiety narrows your thinking, narrows your possibility? This law of detachment that I'm talking about today, this philosophy deals with what is instead of what our egos think should be. Albert Ellis is the father of REBT, That stands for Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. A lot of his work runs through my work. And he created REBT because he was frustrated with psychoanalysis. He didn't think it was helping people as much as he thought mental health people, psychologists, counselors could help people. His model is about challenging irrational beliefs that bring distressing emotions. I think Albert Ellis would resonate with the law of detachment strongly because his theory is about taking responsibility for how our thoughts and behaviors influence emotion and mood. And I don't even want you to believe me. I want you to experiment or look at your own historical proof that your own life shows you. When you have decided how something should go or should be When you attach to the way it must be done and it doesn't go that way, how does it feel? To me, it feels frustrating. It feels annoying. It feels depleting. It feels like I'm banging my head against the wall. It feels like I want to rip my skin off and have a level 12 temper tantrum and lose it. If this is how it feels and we so often don't have things go the way that we expect, Why do we think this is the right way to be? Why do we think that this westernized way of attaching is the way to go? I've been writing my memoir, and wow, is it a process. And I just wrote a chapter describing how my child's mind would lay in bed and try to telekinetically send my thoughts to my father right during the time when he abandoned me. And he, he quit showing up to visitation. And he was my warmer parent. So I really yearned for him. I would lay in that bed and I would give myself headaches and jaw aches. I would grow up to have TMJ surgeries. But I would lay in this bed and have headaches and jaw aches trying to force the will of the universe to scoot his deadbeat ass into motivation to come see me. In some ways, as a society, we may carry this immature yearning to have things go our way, to hope, to intend that we have the power to force what we think is the right thing in the way that a toddler or a child or my little girl self so desperately wanted the power to make happen. Realities be damned. Logic be damned. Culturally in the West, we may not be maturing out of this as a tribe. I do believe that the principle of detachment is one of maturity. And maturity doesn't fall out of the sky. If it did, we'd see more of it naturally in the larger world, we'd see it at play. We grow into maturity if we meet ourselves in a more mature way, if we find value in maturing ourselves in dedicating ourselves to what works better instead of just the way it's always been done. I do see our Western world doubling down on detachment in a way that makes me sad for our collective mental health. Much of social justice activism seems to boil down to, I am attached to my version of rightness and I won't accept anything else And I attach to feeling horrible about this until the world gets on board as I see it. And I'm going to call that the right way of being in the world. That's modern activism. We're glorifying this immature way of being as political as the true people who care. And if you detach from this intensity, if you detach from this narrative, shame, shame. You're wrong, you're bad, you don't care. This message of attached to it and attached to it my way or you're wrong and bad seems to be the battle cry of the moment, no matter the social justice topic. It's the worst of our human ego in action, desperate to be seen as righteous and put others down. Often I'm tasked with helping a client challenge themselves to detach from whatever narratives are shouting at them in the moment. Or shooting at them in the moment so that they can let go of the should and deal with what is instead of listening to this message of what should be desperate attachment. If we detach from the shooting of Western propaganda and social media, we find more of our personal freedom, our mental and emotional freedom. Here are a few examples or conceptualizations of how to detach from these modern issues that, of course, as empathic people, we care about. Most of us who are listening to this show very much care about these issues and about people getting their genuine needs met. But if you are moving through this modern world carrying the weight of the world, my challenge to you is that that's on you to learn how to put down that weight no matter how much shoulding comes at you from the broader world. If you live worried about race as a black, brown, yellow, or white person, detach from what you've been told you should do or should be, what happens if you just allow yourself to move through the world, being kind, and speaking up if and when something happens in front of you? Well, this isn't as much drama when we practice it, One of my theories about what's going on in the world right now is that Westerners are very much addicted to drama, addicted to victim mentality. Should we attach to that or detach from that? If you walk around this modern life being worried about the poor, about the homeless, and you're not, consider letting go of any narrative of what you should do, how you should be, how you're supposed to show up, any feelings like guilt that you're supposed to feel, you have the power to choose something to do that works for your life. You can decide to volunteer or donate money or food or supplies, or, and this might blow some of your codependent minds, to do absolutely nothing and focus on your own life, stabilize your own life, enrich your own life, So that you can become someone on stable ground. So that your future self can attend to whatever pulls at your heart. But from a place of stability, of groundedness, of rootedness, of you having handled what's going on in your own life and dealing with what is in your own life before attaching to these bigger problems that not a one of us can solve on our own Back. So it's not right, in my opinion, to feel the weight of that on our individual backs. It's not all on your shoulders. Believe it or not, it's not anybody's individual job to fix every wrong or struggle in the world. But wow, activists can make it sound compelling and right. If you walk the world stressed about politics, What happens if you detach from the narratives of what you should do, if you detach from the people-pleasing of making sure others in your tribe are on board with your politics? What happens if you detach from the narrative that a good person votes and an uncaring person doesn't? You could vote or not vote. You can pay a whole lot of attention or very little. What if you didn't take on politics as an issue and just detached? letting politics do its thing around you for a few years why are you attached to having to be attached to it notice the attachment stories that come up when your psyche hears me say this all the attaching to what it's heard before all the shitting we've all heard that it is our responsibility to vote when it comes to our mental health especially if you are struggling I challenge that it is your responsibility to detach and learn what it is to truly take care of yourself. It's the emotional equivalent of putting on the oxygen mask when the plane is going down on yourself first. That is your best bet to be able to help all of the people around you in this one precious life. But if you pass out because you wouldn't put your oxygen mask on first, You're not going to help anybody, not yourself and not anybody else. We are no doubt taught attachment as right. We need wisdom to help us learn when it is wise to detach. I wonder if we had more comfortability with the spiritual law of detachment, if we as highly sensitive people and survivors as a tribe would have less overwhelm individually and collectively. If we can't practice detachment, if we're telling ourselves we must attach to everything we care about to prove that we're a caring enough type of person, how are we ever to have the energy to let go of overwhelm? How do we cultivate more peace while attached to the ways things should be while we don't have the power to make them that way? When we practice detachment, it gets easier and easier. If we practice attachment without knowing that detachment is a skill we can practice, what do you think happens? Look around in your world, personally or people you know. I suspect that some of the most miserable people are deeply attached to many ideas and how they should be and that their ideas of what is right is 100% right. I don't want to feel miserable in my precious life from attaching when I can detach moment to moment. For me, practicing detachment has been life-changing. It has been freedom. It's something I know that I will practice all the days of my life because this life shows up inviting us to attach, to grip, to control I don't want to feel grounded and positive and light and joyful only when external things to me go my way. Maturity and development is about being able to feel better, to own our emotional experience, despite whatever is happening or not happening outside of ourselves. In the first few teachings, of my Big Boundaries course, we talk about acceptance of who people really are as a very big necessary part of being able to have boundaries. In a way, in that lesson, I am teaching detachment. A lot of times we won't allow ourselves to have the boundaries that we need because we are attached to the ideas of how another person should be. And we're not dealing with what is. Because what is, is a reality that we do not get to control another human being. No matter how right we might think we are. If you're interested in learning more about boundaries with me, about the freedom that is available to us when we understand detachment and how to show up for ourselves in a more assertive and boundaried way inside of our own minds and as we walk through all of the challenges of this life. Come learn more and sign up now with Early Bird 22 to save with that Early Bird code, Early Bird 22, to get $50 off. And come learn more at emotionalbadass.com backslash boundaries. We will blink and get to October. If you're interested in spending that time with me, I would love to have you. It's like a big old giant online classroom. I show up live in that course for six weeks. I answer questions. We review. I give examples. I try to be a little funny. And we have a lot of fun. It's important to me to teach concepts that can be heavy with a whole lot of lightness. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where moxie meets mindful. I hope there's something in today's episode that genuinely helps you hold yourself with more realness, more maturity, and more peace. Because you and your inner child deserve it. I will see you right here next time. Light and love. Bye-bye.